So there's a story told about a, a minister who once had a, a dream that he had passed away and had gone to the pearly gates of heaven where he was standing face to face with St. Peter, who was holding a big book in his hand, ready to decide if this man, a lifelong preacher, was going to be allowed into heaven. Well, Peter surprised him when he said, you're going to need 100 points to get inside these gates. Well, the preacher said very proudly, I was a minister for 45 years. That's nice, answered Peter, that gets you one point. One point, that's all I get, just one point for 45 years of service, preaching, and sacrifice? Yes, that's correct, said Peter. The minister was quickly concerned about the scoring system, didn't seem fair, so he started thinking of other things that he'd done in his life. He said, well, I visited the shut-ins in our church every chance that I got. One point, Peter said. I developed a number of recovery programs at our church, and I took part in many civic groups in town. I even joined the Rotary Club. One point. Now you've got three points, Peter said. I worked with the youth, said the minister, and surely you know how hard that is. Middle schoolers, have you ever worked with them before? One point. I spoke to the CWF every time they invited me. I went to the big group and all the circles. One point, said St. Peter. That's five points. You still need 95 points to get in here. Oh, no, the minister cried out in a panic. I feel so helpless, so inadequate, except for the grace of God. I don't have a chance. And with that, St. Peter smiled a big smile. Ah, the grace of God. That's good for 95 points. Preacher, come on in. Now, this story is humorous, but it helps us understand one of the Apostle Paul's key convictions, that we cannot earn our way to salvation. It's a gift from God that we call grace, and we accept that grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved or we are justified by grace through faith. Faith is how we accept it. Daniel Migliori was one of my theology professors in seminary, and he says this about this concept. He says, Anyone who thinks that the doctrine of justification has no relevance for people in our sophisticated society that is held captive to many addictions, money, work, leisure, fame, sex, substance abuse, is simply out of touch with the common experience. We are somebodies because God, our creator and redeemer, says so. It's because we are creatures made in the divine image, because we are children of God, persons for whom Christ suffered, died, and was raised again, persons in whom the Spirit of God is at work. Because of all of this, we are somebodies. During the month of June, we are journeying through Paul's letter to the Philippians. We started this last week, and I am encouraging you to read this short epistle uh, found in the New Testament on your own. It's only four chapters long. Uh, it's short, but it's powerful. And last week we looked at chapter 2, we talked about the importance of humility, living a humble life, modeling Christ's humility. We should not act as though we are the center of the universe and that everything revolves around us. Yet our culture tries to tell us that we should make ourselves the center of the universe. So I left you last Sunday with three thoughts. The first was a quote by C.S. Lewis, 
Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's simply thinking of yourself less. Secondly, all of us have to keep our pride and our ego in check on a regular basis. And third, living a life of humility will bring us greater joy in life. And I told you I can't really explain that. I just know that it's true. Now today we move ahead into Philippians chapter 3 where Paul writes this, Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And then in verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Remember, Paul is in prison when he's writing these words, most likely in Rome. And he is basically uh, knows in his mind that there's a good chance he's not going to make it out. There's a good chance he's going to be put to death, that he's going to be executed. So he's writing these words. Back in chapter 1, Paul says this, For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. He says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. So Paul is basically saying, You know what? I feel like I'm in a win win situation here. If I die, I get to go be with Jesus. But if I stay here, I get to keep encouraging you and the other faith communities. And so he looked at it that way. And he was the ultimate encourager, uh, supporter of these early churches. Now, here's the passage that I want to lift up this morning. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind... And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of Christ, or a call in Christ Jesus. These powerful words, and Philippians has a number of passages that are just timeless. But these powerful words teach us three basic truths about the Christian life and our spiritual journey. The first truth is this. We are all works in progress. The Christian journey is lifelong. We never master it. We never get to a point where we can say, you know what, I've got this figured out. I've got this, I've got this mastered. We're always working on it. And there are going to be times when we're doing well and times when we're not. There are going to be times when we feel close to God and times when we don't. There are going to be times when, when we are handling our emotions well And times when we're not, and we'll do and say things that we regret, and we know we shouldn't have said them or done them. The wisest people in life never stop learning and never stop growing. Beware of people who act like they have all the answers. Beware of people who pretend that they have it all figured out. Beware of people who seem to think that they are right all the time and that you should just listen to them. Yes, even preachers, going with my opening illustration. Presbyterian minister Sinclair Ferguson wrote a great commentary on Philippians where he said this, The Christian life is not a brief sprint. 
It's a marathon race over a lifelong course. In it, there is much difficult terrain to be covered. There will be times when we lose heart. There will be times when we get frustrated. There will be times when we aren't sure if we're on the right path. We have to keep working at it. If you stop working at it, <laughs> then you have problems. If you stop eating right and exercising, your physical body will not do well. The same th thing is true with your spiritual body, with your soul. Now here at Woodmont, we have what we call a big tent church. And a big tent church means that we intentionally welcome people with different denominations, different backgrounds, different points of view. And we are crazy enough here to believe that rather than arguing with each other, we can learn from each other because nobody has a monopoly on the truth. Jesus did, but not us. So we must realize that we can't stop growing. We can't stop learning. We have to recognize that we are all still works in progress. Second truth from this passage today, Paul says this, forget what lies behind. You know, as a minister, I am amazed at how the past holds people captive, how things that have happened in the past continue to both rule and ruin the present for so many people. The divorce from 20 years ago that we never completely accepted or, or came to terms with, the betrayal of a friend that we thought we could trust, the hurt that we have because our parents split up when we were young and we never really understood why, the child that fell, failed out of college because of drug, alcohol abuse. So many people do not work through their issues and they carry them on their shoulders for the rest of their lives. And it would be so much better if we could just learn to let certain things go. But sometimes that's easier said than done. Everybody has baggage. I call it invisible baggage because you often don't know exactly what it is for other people. Everybody has hurt from their past or things in their family that they wish were different. But we've got to find a way to let these things go because oftentimes they are unhealthy. There's an entire industry to help us do this. It's called therapy. Counseling is healthy because what happens is if we don't deal with some of these things from our past, then they ruin our future and they ruin our present. Issues that are tied to our family of origin can ruin our marriage and our future family. People live with guilt and shame and regret and it's simply not healthy. But Paul is saying to the Philippian church, forget what lies behind. You simply cannot change the past. And sometimes you just have to let it go so that we can then move into a healthier future, a healthier place. But to do that, we may first have to deal with it and not just sweep it under the rug. Before you can forget it, you may have to face it. Pain that is not transformed in life will get transferred to other people. Sinclair Ferguson says, we do not reach perfection in this life, yet we do not remain in spiritual infancy and immaturity throughout our lives. In fact, one of the signs of maturity will be the developing ability to forget what has passed, 
To live in the past is to hide from the reality of the present and the challenge of the future. Those that are mature in Christ will be characterized by a wholehearted pursuit of fellowship with him, which looks to the future. That's what Ferguson says. Which then brings me to my last truth this morning. Paul says, embrace the future. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. We need to stop and remember how much Paul's life has changed. He went from being Saul of Tarsus, the one who persecuted Christians intensely, to becoming the Apostle Paul after his conversion on the Damascus Road experience. And, 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 and he is the greatest advocate that we have for the gospel message. So if Paul can change, and if God can use Paul to the degree that he has, then we can change. And we can start a new chapter in our lives if that's something that we need to do. And we can move into the future with a different mindset and a different focus. There's so much to be said about pressing forward in life. There's so much to be said about letting things from the past go and looking with hope to the future. You know, Paul was doing this and he was telling the Philippians to do this. In the face of adversity, in the face of pain, in the face of hardship, and we all face it, Paul says, press on, keep going, don't let up, don't give up, press on. Farrell and I have talked over the years a number of times about when it comes to pastoral care, so much of what we do is encouragement. It's cheerleading. It's keep on going even when you don't feel like going forward. And Paul has given us so many timeless passages, not just in Philippians, but in all of the epistles to encourage us to do this. To the Romans, we boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord, but if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. To the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. Paul says love never ends. Second Corinthians, this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I love what my friend and mentor, John Maxwell, has said over the years. He says, how do you know if somebody needs encouragement in life? He says, if they have a pulse, <laughs> then they need encouragement. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is stressful, but through our faith in Christ, we can persevere through anything that comes our way, and Paul gives us that encouragement to let go of the past and to press on to the future with hope and with promise.
Amen.